Thank you for joining us for Friends and Followers, a podcast brought to you by the Seton Shrine, where stories of those who were inspired by Mother Seton's life and mission are shared. It is our hope that you might find inspiration as well, and a deeper understanding about who Elizabeth Ann Seton is. And you can subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes. We hope that you enjoyed them. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to our podcast. Today we're going to talk about Rebecca Seaton. This was Mother Seaton's sister-in-law um, and it's kind of um, goes together with friendships and Mother Seaton had several good friends, adult friendships that she held as a treasure, she called it. Um, she told her lifelong friend, Julia Scott, you have a friend who would fly to you from any part of the world, leave children and everything on the smallest imitation she could be useful to you. So Elizabeth cherished those friendships and hopefully through this podcast we're going to explore each one of them. But today we want to talk about Rebecca Seaton. Um, this was a friend um, that of course she met through her husband. It became a very intense friendship um, and so we're going to learn a little bit about that. Um, well, Rebecca Seaton is her sister-in-law. So right. is her husband's sibling. Right. It gets okay. confusing because um, her husband's mother was Rebecca. They named their daughter Rebecca. So this one is her sister-in-law. Um, she had four friends as an adult, um, Julia Scott, Elizabeth Sadler, Catherine Duplex, and Rebecca Seaton. And I think this was where we see like Mother Seaton's kind of fun way. Like she had a nickname for each one of them, um, which kind of represented what they mentor to in some ways and she called Julia Scott her um, Gloriana. Yeah. Well she's very like energized by right. her friendship with these ladies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now um, Eliza Elizabeth Sadler she called sad which is kind of <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well she's still energized even though she called her sad. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but to Rebecca she called her her soul sister. And we have about 70 letters that we have um, between them. Um, and we have a uh, travel journal, the journal that Mother Seton kept when she was in um, Italy. It was to um, Rebecca. I'm kind of finding that people would write these journals when they traveled um, for the purpose of giving them to someone when they got back. So they didn't mail letters so often. And Mother Seton did write letters when she was in Italy. Most of them were to Rebecca. Yeah. So we kind of um, see that friendship. But it started, she first met Rebecca in 1794 when she started courting William. Rebecca was only 14. She had lost her mother just a couple of years prior to that. But her older sister, also named Elizabeth, was kind of in charge of the house. Um, she gets married, and so Rebecca kind of steps up, becomes in charge of the house, and then their father dies. And that's when Elizabeth and William move in and kind of take over the household. Um, uh, Elizabeth said that she knew Rebecca as Beck uh, from her courtship in 1794. Um, she thought of her as uninformed, you know, as this young naive girl it's when she moves into the house that she really starts to see that she underestimated her that rebecca at at 18 um, is running the household and she's also doing all these charitable works which elizabeth is admiring and keep in mind that elizabeth up to this point is trying to figure out her faith what she believes what she finds true mm -hmm. um, now when elizabeth moves into the house 
um, you know, there's all these younger siblings who look at her as this mother figure. You know, they said that she was an angel of peace and love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she comes in and kind of takes over the house, which Rebecca then steps aside. She's okay with that, which I find kind of nice, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah I was just wondering because, you know, like you said, Rebecca is younger. Right, six years younger. Six years younger, and Elizabeth seemed to admire Rebecca for her role within the household, but yes, it kind of shifts a little bit, And but Rebecca is fine with it. You know, I right. think anybody that is running a household primarily would probably feel that they're being overstepped. Right. Um, but that's not the case. Right, um, so, um, you know, Elizabeth said later said that she found her a friend of her soul, mm-hmm. This young girl possesses a meek, deeply spiritual nature and strove to put into practice the highest precepts of faith in which she had been reared. In spite of her manifold duties as a mistress of her father's large household, she found time every day to visit the poor and Elizabeth decides to join her. Mm-hmm. So, and, and what I think is interesting is that they did this before they started their household duties. So it wasn't like they did all their chores, took care of the kids, and then went and visited the poor. They got up early, early. to go visit the poor, to take care of people. And people started to recognize them, you know, every morning, these two ladies in the streets, and they started calling them the Protestant Sisters of Charity. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth is really loving this. I mean, she's loving spending this time with Rebecca. Um, Rebecca's helping her in her faith as an example. Um, But Rebecca is also starting to show signs of tuberculosis. And so she leaves for a short time and goes to Delaware around the beginning of 1800 um, to stay with her sister who's married and living in Delaware. And she takes her younger sister, Cecilia, with her. And Harriet's been sent to boarding school. So Elizabeth, all of a sudden, as much as she wasn't sure she wanted to take on all these younger siblings, is now feeling like she's an empty house even though she has her little ones, Mm -hmm. um, she's missing Rebecca, especially. So she continues to go on her usual errands. She calls it taking care of the sick and, and spending time with her family, but she's missing her. And she has this prayer circle we've talked about before that she has started that Rebecca's part of. And so she says that the circle has lost its key. At this point, Mm -hmm. she feels lost without Rebecca. I mean, Rebecca really, you know, if you really have a chance to dive into it, it's sort of, Rebecca's responsible for paving the way to where Elizabeth ends up going. Right, right. And and it is interesting, like you said, she's six years younger than her. She's a very young girl, and yet she's setting the example for Elizabeth of what Elizabeth wants and desires. And, And so I think it's just such a beautiful friendship you see starting there, and I can see where Elizabeth calls her her soul sister, um, because they have that immediate connection. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting too, like Rebecca's like, okay, you can come along. You can do these things with me. This is what I'm doing. And she didn't look to Elizabeth to say, can I do this? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, she was moving along. Um, but eventually Rebecca comes back. Um, and this is right at the time where Elizabeth is having a lot of anxiety yellow fever, the business is starting to fail, her husband's starting to show signs of tuberculosis, and so she really needs Rebecca. She needs that that friend um, that is with her. Yeah, the support, a constant, right. um, in times of troubles, and right. that's what Rebecca provided, was some sort of 
stability mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. And I think of like in my own friendships, like this was a friend who was there every day. Her other friends had been traveling. Julia Scott's living in Philadelphia by this time. Rebecca's there every day for her. So she is her release. She's where she can, you know, complain and be frustrated and <laughs> discuss and try to come to yeah. conclusions and stuff. And, and Rebecca's helping her. She's helping her with her own younger siblings. She's helping her with Elizabeth's children. And um, they're just drawing closer. Yeah. Um, and then they start, they start becoming more involved in Trinity Church. And they're going to church as much as they can. With, with Protestants churches, they don't have daily services, mm -hmm. so they look forward to that Sunday. Um, they join the Society for the Relief of Poor Widows and Small Children, and they become very involved in that. And like I said, Elizabeth is holding these prayer circles in her home. Yeah. Um, so Elizabeth says about this time, happy, happy hours, when we were joined in the sweet employment they're so she's so thankful that they have this time together and that they're doing these things together um, and then we kind of see how that kind of gets more intense um yeah. well real quick though i think that with their work in the society and the protestant sisters of charity quote unquote i mean they are again this is a, the foundation that elizabeth even discovers her enjoyment in the life of service, you know, service for others. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, you can see the things being planted. You can see how it's starting to, like, take shape and, and how Rebecca kind of helped her come to these realizations about her own self, um, you know, and what she wanted to do and how she wanted her Christian life to be. Right, um, exactly. Even in the Christian life, you know, you could start seeing that because of their friendship, their bonds, um, of the religion is deepening right. as well. Right. And that's why, like you said, they, they're going to Trinity Church, but I think that them attending service every Sunday, they were really discovering something a little bit deeper, and that's with the Eucharist, right? Right, right. Um, because um, the Episcopalian faith has these sacramental Sundays. Um, I know they still had them when I was growing up. My mom was Episcopalian, where they would have communion um, once a week or every so often. And Elizabeth is loving that. She's loving yeah. what it represents, even though they don't see it as the actual body of Christ, like we as Catholics do, mm -hmm. uh, they still show what it represents. And so then you have Rebecca and Elizabeth, like going all over New York city to every Episcopal church, mm -hmm. trying to take that communion yeah, yeah. multiple times in, okay. in a day. Yeah. Um, and this, you can see this, like Elizabeth puts this on the forefront. Like she has all these, things going on in her life, business failing, husband sick, little children, but yet this is like, okay, I'm doing this, you know, and I've got my, my friend here. Right, right. And Rebecca <laughs> is right alongside right. with her. Right. And, you know, every woman knows what a good friend means, you know, mm -hmm. and you can really see that coming together. And then they really become involved with Reverend Hobart, who's at Trinity Church, and they they love his sermons. They, they're holding on to everything he's exactly. saying. And that she yeah. just wants more of that, which you see then uh, as Elizabeth moves forward, she always appreciates a good sermon, a good homily, a good speaker. Right. Well, she know. took all of Hobart's sermons, his letters and everything that he wrote down for her to 
with her to Italy. Right. And we're referring back to them and was having some correspondence back to Rebecca about what she was reading from Hobart. Right. So, yeah. Right. Um, and, and Rebecca also becomes very close to Elizabeth's children. Mm-hmm. And they call her their godmother. Um, even Elizabeth's father uh, makes a comment of how much Catherine, Elizabeth's daughter Catherine, looks like Rebecca. And, um, you know, and he's saying that Kate, he called her Kate, Aunt Rebecca and the whole family thinks that she is in your image. And Elizabeth says, I pray that she may have both in the interior as well as your exterior. Um, And so it's just kind of sweet. And so when Elizabeth leaves for Italy, it's Rebecca that she kind of leaves in charge of the children and is like, please watch over them. And uh, Rebecca now is having a hard time because Elizabeth is getting ready to leave her as Elizabeth did when Rebecca left to go to Delaware. And Rebecca- And her health is still not 100% either. She still has some ailments, still dealing with TB. I mean, it's not a disease that goes away. Right, Um, right. And so Rebecca writes her, I shall look at the moon and think of those I love. Recollect at nine, every evening, my thoughts will be traveling towards you and my darlings. So uh, Rebecca's gonna miss them. And I think it's kind of sweet that she sets this time that like at nine o'clock every night, I'll be thinking of you and, yeah. and what's happening. Well, in all that we know, it really is Rebecca that she keeps writing to right. um, during her entire time in Italy. Right. There really isn't a whole lot of uh, letters to other individuals, no. other friends. It really is no. Rebecca. She writes a little bit to her children because they're little kids. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. But no, it's Rebecca. And it's interesting. Sister Judy Metz writes that during her time away, Elizabeth kept a detailed journal for Rebecca describing both the physical trials and the spiritual turmoil of her experience in Italy. Elizabeth's daily entries describe the intimacies of caring for her husband in his last illness, the depths of her spiritual journey, and her deep longing to be with loved ones at home. There is no more intimate record of the workings of Elizabeth's mind and heart than this journal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is coming at a time when Elizabeth is discovering the Catholic faith as well. Right. Um, Right. I mean, interesting. Yeah. I mean, Sister Judy is right. It's like in this journal, you see her when she first gets there and goes to the Lazaretto and her sadness to that changing to her seeing this as a blessing that her husband's Mm -hmm. being saved. And then we see her writing Rebecca to give the family the news that her husband has died. You know, it's Rebecca that she puts in charge of that, you know, and then then going to the Felikis and traveling with the Felikis and talking about them. And and she says um, about the Felikis as if they could not do enough. Indeed, from the day we left home, we have met with nothing but kindness, even in strangers and servants. So she's talking about everything they're doing, all of the travels they're doing. And then, like you said, you start to see her really looking into the Catholic faith. Faith. And Mm -hmm. starting, you can see Elizabeth's mind turning the wheels turning and her starting to debate things in her mind and i think it really shows in her letter or in her journal excuse me that you know she's yearning to share all this with rebecca at first it was oh these people are crazy in a way for (laughs) lack of better words she's like she had a hard time and she struggled but then she did she stopped writing for a period of time and then she came back and you you could tell like in her next letter where she's embracing the eucharist as the catholic church does and she desperately wants to share that with rebecca and didn't she say like a specific quote 
Um, um, well, she talks about when she went into a church in Florence, I think this may be what you're talking about, where she says, a heavy curtain hung at the entrance, we raised it. My eyes were struck with the sight of hundreds of persons kneeling. I sank on my knees in the first place I found vacant and shed a torrent of tears at the recollection of how long I had been a stranger in the house of my God and the accumulated sorrow that had separated me from it. So when you think about all the time she spent at Trinity Church and all those other churches, she, it seems like, is realizing now that she's never really been yeah. to God's home, to, to yeah. church. And she now longed, even for Rebecca, to also experience, like, if only we could believe as they believe, practice right. as they practice. Like, right. she kind of really makes that very clear, like, there's something much right. more deeper Right. than what the Episcopalian, but they've been there. They've been on that journey all this time though. And right. if and that makes sense. So. Yeah. And she's so anxious to get home because Rebecca is the only one she can be honest with. It's almost like Rebecca is yeah. like her confessor in a way, mm -hmm. like because the Catholic church was looked so poorly upon in that time. Yeah. It was almost shameful for her to say out loud, I want to convert, but she knew she could do that with Rebecca. And so yeah. she's anxious to get home to like talk to her about this in person and, and go to the Catholic church in New York with her and take her there. Yeah. Um, and, but when she gets home, what she finds is that Rebecca is sick. Very, very sick. Very sick. Yeah. She's on um, her deathbed. <laughs> um, um, so it said that Elizabeth's joy in being reunited to her children was marred by finding her sister-in-law Rebecca on her deathbed. It was an unspeakable trial to the newly widowed mother to see this sister of her soul who could have done so much to fill the void left in her life by her husband's death and assist her in the rearing of the children dying, but she repressed her grief. So, and then she goes on to say she did not disturb the sick girl's last days with religious discussions. Yeah. It seemed cruel to raise her doubts in her mind mm -hmm. at this time. And so she wants to well everything from Rebecca. You well, know? you have to remember though that it it was during this um period of time with her husband's death and now here comes Rebecca also on her deathbed, that even after her husband's death and being exposed to the Catholic Church, her concern became about eternity. Is my husband going to eternity? Right. So I'm wondering if this thought is kind of swirling around for her as well. I'm I hope sure. Rebecca's getting to eternity because that's where she was most concerned about. Um, not just those that are Catholic, but those that are non-Catholic, knowing that Rebecca's not Catholic. So I think that I think though it, it was right for her to not preoccupy Rebecca's right last days on earth, her last bit of energy to have those religious discussions yeah, and, and believe and as much as she would probably would want to share it with them, with her. I think you're right. And I think she comes to the same conclusion she came with with her husband because mm -hmm. she says that Rebecca, she felt sure that Rebecca's innocence, charity, fidelity to the light that had been granted her and her abiding sorrow for sin would cause her to find mercy with God. So... Yeah. Uh, but this is also a really hard time for Elizabeth because, you know, she was going to have the support of Rebecca. Like she felt like, mm -hmm. okay, I can't do this alone, but that's okay. I can do it with Rebecca. The two of yeah. us together will become Catholic. The two of us together will raise my children. We'll do this together. together. And now she's going to be alone, you know, yeah. and she really now really feels that death all over again of her husband. She's feeling like mm -hmm. I'm really alone. 
Yeah. You know, and, and we'll see a little bit as Elizabeth kind of struggles. Um, and this is for like another podcast. Um, but that's, I think what took Elizabeth so long, like so long to convert because all of a sudden she's like, wait, yeah. <laughs> can I do this alone? Mm-hmm. But I think that Rebecca's spirit during that time, um, I'm not really as familiar with this, but I feel that Rebecca was trying to empower Elizabeth, like mm-hmm. it will be okay. Right. And that, you know, so Rebecca is expecting her death. She knows that she does not have much longer. Right. Um, but she, because of the deepening of it, just her Christian faith, her spirituality, it's, she actually ends up consoling Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> the other way around. Right. And because right. she knows that they will meet again in the passage to eternity. Right. Like Rebecca does believe that. Right. Right. And, and, and yeah, she's trying to give her some encouragement. Um, and it's just so beautiful though, because Elizabeth is thinking back just like she had to do with William, like all of those times together, everything they did together and everything that Rebecca brought her. Um, she's, you know, they say the two souls, Friendship spent Rebecca's final days sharing their tender and faithful love for each other. Mm-hmm. They recounted all of their times together, yeah. what they meant to each other, um, and all the things that Rebecca had brought to Elizabeth. You know, she's she's thanking Rebecca for, and that becomes her main focus when she's home. Mm-hmm. And you have to feel for Elizabeth. It's like yeah. she's had quite a year. <laughs> yeah, or in a short period of time, too. Right. Right. So, you know, and, and Rebecca finally passes away in July, they think, right. So only six, right. seven six months, months later, have gone by. Because it's early July, and her husband died yeah. in late December. So really yeah. just six months later, she's lost really the, the two most important people in her life. Um, and she's she is sad about that. Um, and she talks about it. You know, she talks about how they would exchange notes, expressing... Um, their love for God and becoming soul sisters and saying, let us bless the day together, one body, one spirit, one hope, one God. Um, and Elizabeth felt gratitude towards Rebecca, but Becca also responded and said that she felt a debt to Elizabeth, you know, and she said to her, dear, dear sister, when my thoughts turn to the hour that you first taught me to look up to him who alone can comfort the weary soul, I may well love you, my sister, more than is possible to express. You know, yeah. and she's saying that as she's dying. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like so beautiful. Um, so you know, here, Elizabeth really probably thought that she was following Rebecca. She's inspired by Rebecca. Yeah. She looks up to her. Rebecca's a model. But at the end, Rebecca's like, no, it was me following you, um, me looking up to you. Um, right. I think well, that just yeah, because she says that she said that of Rebecca that while she lived, she taught people how to live, and at death showed them how to die. Elizabeth, in turn, exerted an enormous influence over the life of her sister-in-law. So they were they were kindred spirits. They gave to each other. But I think this is another beautiful thing about Elizabeth. What you're just saying there, we've seen it over and over again, is she doesn't look at other people with jealousy. She looks at other people with admiration, mm-hmm. and she's like gosh, if I could just, I wish I could be that way. You know, you're such a good person or a good soul or you do this well. Yeah. Um, and she meant it in a sincere, most loving way. And 
the last reference that we actually have of Elizabeth mentioning Rebecca is when Elizabeth is dying. And it's just hours before she dies and she's talking to Cecilia O'Conway. And she says, I am ashamed to complain when I remember those dear ones who have gone, what agonies they must have suffered. That sweet, lovely Rebecca that I have told you of, though not a Catholic, who would suffer such bitter pain with such a happy disposition. Wow. So she never forgot her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they were two women with kinder spirit that shared a very deep spiritual bond that could never that was between earth and heaven, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. yeah, so I would, you know, say take Elizabeth's example and tell a friend how much they mean to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't let those moments pass by. Um, Rebecca changed Elizabeth's life and Elizabeth changed Rebecca's life. They were definitely kindred spirits. Yeah, followers of each other. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today, and hopefully you'll come back next time. Um, we've got a good year coming up, lots of fun people. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Lisa, for bringing Rebecca Seaton up. I never really had a chance to dive into that story, you know, kind of stay focused on the friends or mm -hmm. the people that influenced her as the Sister of Charity of St. Joseph here in Emmitsburg, you know, or beyond, but never taking a step back. Right. to someone even young, you know, earlier in her time. So thank you yeah. for sharing this beautiful story. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, it was great. It was fun to do. What do you think our next one will be? I think we're going to do Anna Maria. We're going to do uh, Mother Seton's oldest daughter. Okay. Yeah, she's got a good story too. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I can't wait. All right, well, I hope you guys stay tuned for that next one. Thank you. Thank you.